Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Sturgeon v. Frost, Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, argued November 5th, 2018, decided March 26th, 2019. The Alaska National Interest Lands Conservation Act, A-N-I-L-C-A, set aside 104 million acres of federally owned land in Alaska for preservation purposes. With that land, ANILCA created 10 new national parks, monuments, and preserves, areas known as conservation system units. 16 U.S.C. Section 31024. And in sketching those units, Boundary lines, Congress made an uncommon choice to follow natural features rather than enclose only federally owned lands. It thus swept in a vast set of so called inholdings, more than 18 million acres of state, native, and private land. Had Congress done nothing more, those inholdings could have become subject to many National Park Service rules as the service has broad authority under its Organic Act to administer both lands and waters within parks across the country. 54 U.S.C. Section 10751. But Congress added Section 103C, the provision principally in dispute in this case. Section 103C's first sentence states that only the public lands defined as most federally owned lands, waters, and associated interests within any system's unit's boundaries are deemed a part of that unit. 16 U.S.C. Section 3103C. The second sentence provides that no state, native, or private lands shall be subject to the regulations applicable solely to public lands within system units. And Third sentence permits the service to acquire such lands from the state, a native corporation, or other owner, after which it may administer the land just as it does other public lands within such units. Petitioner John Sturgeon traveled for decades by hovercraft up a stretch of the Nation River that lies within the boundaries of the Yukon-Charlie Preserve, a conservation system unit in Alaska. On one such trip, park rangers informed him that the service's rules prohibit operating a hovercraft on navigable waters located within a park's boundaries. 36 CFR section 2.17E. That regulation, issued under the service's Organic Act authority, applies to parks nationwide without any regard to the ownership of submerged lands, tidelands, or lowlands. Section 1.2. 2A3. Sturgeon complied with the order, but shortly thereafter sought an injunction that would allow him to resume using his hovercraft on his accustomed route. The district court and the Ninth Circuit denied him relief, interpreting the Section 103C to limit only the service's authority to impose Alaska-specific regulations on inholdings, not its authority to enforce nationwide regulations like the hovercraft rule. This court granted review and rejected that ground for dismissal, but it remanded for consideration of two further questions. Whether the Nation River qualifies as public land for purposes of ANILCA, thus independently sub- 
indisputably subjecting it to the service's regulatory authority, and if not, whether the service could nevertheless regulate Sturgeon's activities on the Nation River. That'd be the first Sturgeon case. Ninth Circuit never got past the first question, as it concluded that the Nation River was public land. Supreme Court held, the Nation River is not public land for purposes of ANILCA. Public land under ANILCA means almost all lands, waters, and interests therein, the title to which is in the United States. 16 U.S.C. section 3102, 1-3. Because running waters cannot be owned, the United States does not have title to the Nation River in the ordinary sense. And under the Submerged Land Act, it is the state of Alaska, not the United States, that holds title to and ownership of lands beneath the river's navigable waters. 43 U.S.C. section 1311. The service, therefore, argues that the United States has title to an interest in the Nation River under the Reserved Water Rights Doctrine, which provides that when federal government reserves public land, it can retain rights to specific amount of water needed to satisfy the purposes of that reservation. See Capert versus United States. But even assuming that the service held such a right, the Nation River itself would not thereby become public land in the way the service contends. Under ANILCA, the public land would consist only of the federal government's specific interest in the river, i.e. its reserved water rights. And that right, the service agrees, merely allows it to protect waters in the park from depletion or diversion. The right could not justify applying the hovercraft rule on the nation river, as that rule targets nothing of the kind. Public lands or sorry, non-public lands within Alaska's national parks are exempt from the Park Service's Ordinary Regulatory Authority, Section 103C, arose out of a concern from the state, native corporations, and private individuals that ANILCA's broadly drawn boundaries might subject their properties to Park Service rules. Section 103C's first sentence, therefore, sets out which land within those new parks qualify as park land only the public lands within any system's unit boundaries are deemed a part of that unit. By negative implication, non-public lands are deemed outside of the unit. In other words, non-federally owned land inside system units on a map are declared outside them for the law. The effect of that ex exclusion, as Section 103C's second sentence affirms, is to exempt non-public lands, including waters, from Park Service regulations. That is, the service's rules will apply solely to public lands within these units. 16 U.S.C. Section 3103C. And for that reason, the third sentence provides a kind of escape hatch. It allows the service to acquire inholdings when it believes regulation of those lands is needed. The service's alternative interpretation of Section 103C is unpersuasive. The provision's second sentence, it says, means that if a Park Service regulation on its face applies solely to public lands, then the regulation cannot apply to non-public lands. But if instead the regulation covers public and non-public lands alike, then the second sentence has nothing to say. The regulation can indeed cover both.
On that view, section 103c's second sentence is a mere truism, not any kind of limitation. It does nothing to exempt inholdings from any regulation that might otherwise apply. And because that is so, the government's reading also strips the first and third sentences of their core functions. The first sentence, deeming, has no point. Or sorry, the first sentence's word, deeming, has no point. Since there is no reason to pretend that inholdings are not part of a park if they can still be regulated as parklands. And the third sentence's acquisition option has far less utility if the service has full regulatory authority over lands the federal government does not own. This sort of statute gutting cannot be squared with ANILCA's text and context. Navigable waters within Alaska's national parks, no less than other non-public lands, are exempt from Park Service's normal regulatory authority. The service argues that, if nothing else, ANILCA must at least allow it to regulate navigable waters. The Act, however, does not readily allow the decoupling of navigable waters from other non-federally owned areas in Alaskan national parks. ANILCA defines land to mean lands, waters, and interests therein. Section 3102, 1-3. So, when it refers to lands in Section 103C and throughout the Act, it means waters as well. Nothing in the few aquatic provisions to which the service points conflicts with reading Section 103C's regulatory exception to cover navigable waters. The government largely relies on the Act's statements of purpose, but this court's construction leaves the service with multiple tools to protect and preserve rivers in Alaska's national parks as those provisions anticipate. See sections 3181J, 3191B7. While such authority might fall short of the service's usual power, it accords with ANILCA's repeated recognition that Alaska is the exception, not the rule. The decision is reversed and remanded. Justice Kagan delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. Justice Sotomayor filed a concurring opinion in which Justice Ginsburg joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach the podcast, we can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0.